0: Welcome to a special edition of Mamma Mia Out Loud on the day that Australia swore in yet another Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull. And we have all the questions. So we've put the band back together today for this bonus episode. Joining me is Mia Friedman... And Mamma Mia's politics expert, the former political staffer,
1: Jamila Risby, Welcome back. Thanks for having me. I spent most of last night trying to explain double dissolutions to a three-month-old, so it's nice to be with some grown-ups. <laughs> Don't get
0: ahead of yourself. I was texting you last night with all the dumb questions, and that's why we've brought you in today. So it's been a pretty dreadful period in terms of in recent federal political history. The last three parliamentary terms has seen a Prime Minister outed by the party, And it's been an age marked by instability and it's been a really destructive media cycle. So I want you to make sense of this for us, Jam. Why was Tony Abbott outed last night?
1: I think Tony Abbott was outed because he wasn't able to be an effective Prime Minister. He was an outstanding opposition leader. And the job of an opposition leader is to poke holes in the government and to show where the government is failing, something he was very good at, and to provide an alternative. And he provided an alternative that started to look good to a lot of the Australian public. But he just couldn't make that transition from the opposition leader, the wrecker, the one who sort of poked holes in things and tore things down to someone who had to get things done. He struggled with the administration of government, and he struggled to communicate what he was doing to the public. Okay, well then let's talk about the timing, because ostensibly
0: Abbott had a pretty good week with the Syrian refugee announcement. He, he announced, he'd been said, we'll allow 12,000 Syrian refugees. So he was riding the wave of some good public sentiment. Why would Malcolm do this now?
1: Well, next weekend, there is going to be a by-election in Canning, which is an electorate in WA. And the reason there's going to be a by-election is because the sitting member, the previous sitting member died, sadly. So they've got to elect someone new there. And at the moment, that's a really safe Liberal seat. It's around 11%. So that's that's a huge swing to change to change over to the Labor Party. And yet the Labor Party is looking pretty good right now. So there was some discussion of what are we going to do? What's the future of the Liberal Party? What's the future of the National Party? What's the future of the Co- coalition here and I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that there was some fear that if Tony Abbott did uh either if it was close in the canning by-election that he might go straight to a double dissolution election and go quickly which wouldn't leave Malcolm any time to come come in as leader so I think they tried to get the jump on him basically
0: let's go blow by blow when would Malcolm have decided he was going to do this
1: I think Malcolm probably decided he was going to do this a good 12 months ago (laughs) and it was just waiting for the right time. Malcolm has been smart about this. He didn't want to do the sneak up in the middle of the night coup that Labor did when it came from the transition from Kevin Rudd to Julia Gillard. He wanted the public to have a clear idea of why this was happening. He wanted to make sure that the public thought Abbott had been given a good chance, a chance to have a go at it. And we know that there was the spill where nobody stood against Abbott only a few months ago. He hasn't improved in his standing, and I think the public aren't surprised as a result. So I think Malcolm and his supporters would have been planning this for a very long time.
2: Mia, are you excited? I'm wildly excited. I am. I mean, a a lib spill is always exciting. Any kind of spill is exciting. I think that even if you're not very interested in politics, the drama and the theatre of it all is hard not to get caught up in. Um, so, uh, but but more importantly, I think that Malcolm Turnbull, could, you know, I've made no secret of the fact that I've been incredibly frustrated with Tony Abbott as Prime Minister, as Minister for Women, which is just a ridiculous joke. Um, and the, the way he's just steadfastly refused to engage with women or women's media since he became Prime Minister. And um, I, Tony Abbott is yesterday's man. I feel like he, he very much had yesterday's um, policies. He felt like he was from... The past. He's not in favour of, of same sex marriage. He's a climate um, change sceptic. Uh, he reintroduced knighthoods and dames. You know, he doesn't want a republic. It's very, very retrograde. All his, um, certainly his social policies. I can't speak for his economic views because that's certainly not my area of expertise. Um, whereas Malcolm Turnbull is. Widely known as a small L liberal, um, he's socially progressive. He's been a long-time advocate for same-sex marriage, for um, climate change action. Um, he's a feminist. He's married to a, an incredible feminist, and he just feels like the leader that that our country deserves to have in, at a time when there really hasn't been any leadership for for quite some time.
1: Mia, you're a really big Turnbull fan. What do you like about him? I, I love that he
2: sounds. Like a leader, he speaks. He commands attention. He um, he he's very intelligent. I think uh, the fact that he's um, been very successful in business, he clearly knows uh, his stuff from a business and and a financial management point of view. The fact that he is socially progressive, for me, that's something that I always look for in a leader. That's what um, dismayed me about uh, John Howard and has always dismayed me about Tony Abbott. I... I, um Quite famously, well, famously in our office, wrote on the day that Tony Abbott was elected that I was cautiously optimistic and that I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt and and Jam, you and I had a big fallout over that because you you thought that was absolutely.
1: I, I, I think I was still hungover and pretty angry. Heresy,
2: that's right. But it was more the climate was that everyone was saying they were going to move to Canada and the the hell that country was going to hell in a handbasket, and I felt that. You know, I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. I wanted to believe that perhaps he could change. He was then advocating a very progressive um, position on pay parental leave, which I thought was really, really interesting. I, I then um, came to came to be of the view that that wasn't a, a fantastic thing for, for women or for most women. But still, I felt that he was trying. And then literally from the minute he became prime minister, he completely, it's like, right, my job's done. I've won over women. I've got over the line. Um, Therefore, I can renege on every promise I've ever made to women. I can completely give them short shrift. I can spend International Women's Day um, at my fire station handing out awards to blokes. And I know that seems like a little thing. And and the fact that he's a volunteer firefighter was a great thing. But the symbolism of that day and, um, you know, and and more importantly, he was closing domestic violence shelters and, and support lines. Uh, yeah, and and said that his his greatest achievement as
0: as minister for women was repealing the carbon tax. But so I just that that's nothing new it's nothing new for a politician to be elected on promises and then renege on them once they're in power so why does it make it different when tony abbott did it is it because we're much more vocal on social media now is it because there's all this collectivism that um everyone feels like they need to have an opinion are our politicians reacting to a climate in which people like a reality tv show if you if you fall out of favor you just lose the job you you drop from view
1: We live in a world that is moving very, very fast. There's no question about that. And I think you've got... Media who have to produce a whole lot more content because we're on 24 hours a day. The TVs are on, the radios are on. Online is certainly on 24 hours a day. So we've got to fill that space. We've got to keep the news coming. And I think that means that the whole news cycle does move faster and politicians respond to that. Instead of polls happening, you know, once a month as they used to, we've got three different polls a week. Um, We've got polls online that move in minutes. So they feel like they're getting feedback, I think, at a much faster rate which means they're pushing to make decisions at a much faster rate. And personally, I think it's incredibly dangerous. While this change last night, I think, is a really positive one, I think it's dangerous because good reform and good policy takes time. You can't deliver real reform in 12 months, in 18 months. To be honest, real reform often takes five, six years and when we're recycling Prime Ministers within two years, three years, that doesn't give them a lot of time to actually get anything done. And good reform is often unpopular when it first happens. Mayor, you also said that
0: when Abbott first came in, you wanted him to be good and we all had these kind of rose-coloured glasses on. Uh, do you think the same thing will happen with Malcolm, that he's already got this groundswell of public support, but do you think time will show that'll start to rub off a bit and he'll start to tarnish?
2: No, I think it's the opposite. I think that everyone had very, very, very low expectations for Tony Abbott and he managed to um, disappoint us. <laughs> he managed to fall well below them um, because there was a huge amount of distrust and suspicion from women in particular um, about what kind of prime minister he was going to be. So when I said I, was, I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt... I wanted him to be awesome because I want the Prime Minister of our country to be awesome. But he absolutely wasn't. Whereas with um, Malcolm Turnbull, I think there is a risk that um, in a similar way to Obama came in and everyone thought he was the messiah. And he was actually just working within the confines of the American political system. Malcolm Turnbull will be working within the confines of the Australian political system. And one of the biggest um, criticisms of him when he was leader of the Liberal Party last time around was that he wasn't consultative enough and that he was too arrogant. And, and too many captains' calls, I guess, which was one of the biggest criticisms leveled at Tony Abbott. So he's going to have to be very careful of that. And I, and I do worry. I mean, there have been some people saying today he can't just be Tony abbott light. so he can't just be a slightly more moderate form of Tony Abbott and expect to succeed. But I also agree with J- Jamila in terms of we have a short concentration span, and I mean, I'm the sh- I've got the shortest concentration span of anyone I know, and even for me it's a little bit whiplash-inducing, this idea that we can just go change, change 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 but today it's working for me
1: it's so, it's so interesting you talk about that optimism Mayor, and I think that's quite as much as I did get grumpy about you at you about that article that's tends to be what people feel the day after an election when all this sort of political propaganda and you've been talking about it non-stop for six weeks the day after an election I think the Australian public tend to go you know what done now, we've got a new person in charge, let's give them a go. But it's not the Australian public that he has to convince
0: now. So the vote last night was really tight, so he's already inheriting a really divisive party. How is Malcolm Turnbull going to manage to lead a whole party
1: and bring everyone together? This is, I think, absolutely going to be Turnbull's biggest challenge, which is managing what he has to deliver for his party and what he has to deliver for the public. Because the public see Malcolm Turnbull as a true conviction politician, someone who believes in gay marriage, someone who wants a republic. Now, these are all things that the majority of his joint party room with the nationals who bring his side to the more conservative end of the spectrum aren't necessarily on board with and are certainly far more conservative than most of the Australian public. So how he keeps the party room happy and keeps the public happy, will be very, very difficult.
0: I just want to shake the Liberals and be like, can't you just all work together for the common good? Or was there a day that everyone respected the leader of
1: the party as a, te- as a captain of a sports team would? You know, that's a good question. People tend to talk about the Hawke cabinet or the Howard cabinet, and particularly their first cabinets, in glowing terms. And I think part of the reason those governments worked so well, regardless of whether you believed in their policies or not, but whether whether or not the government's worked well was because the captain in in your sports team speak trusted his players so it wasn't just about leadership being a it's all my choice it's all my way or the highway lots of captain's calls it was about saying you know what we've got a job to do as a team you go out and you do your bits i'll help you when you need me and i'll step in on the big stuff but i trust my players and i don't know if we've necessarily had that in the last six or seven years we've had prime ministers Maybe Julia Gillard was an exception, but certainly Abbott and Rudd, it's been about small group decision-making rather than big group decision-making in government.
0: To one of the other burning questions I had. So last night we saw Tony Abbott enter the ballot room flanked by people. We saw Turnbull enter the ballot room with a few people around him. Oh, yeah, Taylor Swift would have been so jealous of, (laughs) of Tony Abbott last night. Squad goals. Yeah, and then we saw Julie Bishop enter alone.
1: Were those group numbers significant? I think Julie Bishop was trying to make a point by going in alone. She cried this morning on the Today Show and she is very much trying to... Sell Hang someone on, she
2: didn't... Let's, let's be careful. I don't know. I know I texted you to say Julie Bishop's crying this morning, but... Every she, headline she, says she, it. She, I know. She... Um, she looked strained. And she, her voice broke and she, but she did, it's not like she was sobbing or like tears were running no, down her she, face. No, she, she
1: didn't break down like a Disney she princess did say, on the bed. <laughs> she did say there were tears
2: last night though. She did. And she was referring, I think, to herself and to, Carl. pushed her a bit. Gosh, she's good. And uh, she, she sort of said that, that Abbott was also, she implied that, Tears were shed in that. I mean, you can only imagine. She didn't, she seemed quite ebullient last night. Today, not so much. Today, she seemed very muted and much more somber, don't you think, Jan?
1: Yeah, I do. And we forget so often that these are people, that they're human. You know, whether or not you like Tony Abbott's politics, and obviously I don't he's a human being who's wanted this all his life and would have gone into government with the hopes of, you know, 10 years in power and it's been cut short and he doesn't even get to face an election. And And he and Julie would have worked incredibly close together and there would have been a bond there.
0: That's where they get it wrong is that they go into politics for themselves and they see their own ambitions and they want to um, scale up the chain when really they're there for a service to serve the public and to listen to the public and make good decisions for us, not because of their own career ambitions. I
1: don't feel a bit sorry for Tony Abbott today, not That's a bit. That's so interesting. I'm, 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 I feel sorry for Tony Abbott, the person. Um, Tony Abbott, the politician, good riddance. But Tony Abbott, the person, I, I feel quite sad. And I, I disagree with that. I think most politicians go into politics for the right reasons. Yeah. Not all, but most go in because they genuinely believe that they can help make the country better. Do they get a bit lost along the way? And does ambition tend to cloud what they're doing along the way? It, yeah, a whole lot. Back to people walking into the bar- ballot room.
0: So Tony Abbott had all these people behind him and when I saw that I thought, oh, he's got this in the bag. When they go into that ballot room, is it how does that work? What happens then? Is it literally put your hand up if you vote for Tony and put your hand up if you vote for Malcolm?
1: Oh, that would be great because then we'd actually know how everyone voted. No. So what happens is there's first a show of hands on whether or not there should be a spill of positions, so the the leader of the party and the deputy leader of the party. Uh, so last night, clearly, everyone said, yep, we want to spill the positions. And then there's a secret ballot. So you don't necessarily know how everyone voted. I loved Annabelle Crabb's quote about Julie Bishop last night. She said, God, social
2: media was fun to be on last night, but she said um, Julie Bishop walks in... Alone, except for her, accompanied only by her stony facial expression. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it, there was a and great comment on social media this morning from Shelley Horton, saying that Abbott and Bishop together look like the two lead characters in House of Cards. Oh, Frank and Claire Underwood. There was a little, and I was like, they do. It was, it was also,
2: you know, forgive me for being cynical, but Tony Abbott walking in flanked by two women. I mean, that's more women than are in his cabinet. I mean, give me a break. A little too late is what I felt when I saw that. Because the optics are so transparent to me.
1: Yeah, and there is a sense of my posse's bigger than your posse, and we've seen in previous leadership ballots with the ALP certainly that the bigger the posse, usually the weaker the vote. You're kind of trying to, you know, talk yourself up. So
0: those people walking in with Abbott would have been like, yeah, mate, I'm with you, and then they get the slip of paper and just go rogue.
1: Maybe, or the people that walk in with him are the ones who are rusted on and everyone else is... Like they're the only ones voting for him. Okay, right, gotcha.
0: The other really interesting thing I've noted today in the fallout is that there's a lot of blame being placed on Peter Credlin, who's Tony Abbott's chief of staff, a female chief of staff. And I think it's extraordinary that of a of a cabinet that's full of men that now the, the blame is being lain on Peter Credlin. What did you make of that? Yeah, it's
2: really interesting. In my mind, the only person responsible for Tony Abbott's downfall is Tony Abbott. People want to... She's always been a figure of intrigue, Peter Credlin... It's been interesting the way she's sort of stayed out since the last six months when that was one of the reasons given for the spill um, six months ago, the 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 idea that she was um, had more influence than any of the elected officials and she reportedly fell out with Julie Bishop and she reportedly put a lot of ministers offside and in cabinet um, and she was seen to wield too much power. I say that in quote marks. And she pretty much disappeared from public view after that. But um, some people said, well, either she has to go, he has to go, or they both have to Go and I think it was Barry Cassidy that said this morning. Well, now they've both gone, so th- there is there was very much a, a public show of her not taking a visible role, and she didn't want her photograph taken. Um, she didn't. She's never wanted to be the story, but she really didn't want to be the story after the last six months when Tony Abbott said, "Give me six months' time, and I'll show you I can change." Um, so everyone's going to want to know what she does ne- next. Of course, the complicating factor is that her husband is the director of the Party Jam, or the he's president. the president of
1: the Liberal Party. That's right.
2: And a lot of people stated that as a reason that they were uncomfortable with her being his chief of staff because, uh, you know, you can't go to the the director of the party or the president of the party and complain about the chief of staff of the prime minister or complain about the way the prime minister's office runs when you are actually complaining to that man about his wife. So who knows? Do you think Brian will stay on jam?
1: I think for the... Yeah. I don't think there's been any discussion yet that he has done a poor job leading the Liberal Party itself outside of the parliament. So I I certainly haven't heard any rumblings to that effect. One of the things that really Struck me listening to Malcolm Turnbull's press conference last night was, it is the end of the three word slogan and the eight second soundbite. Malcolm Turnbull is incredibly verbose, but almost in a good way. He he, sometimes feels like he's a teacher addressing his students and he takes pause to make sure the students genuinely understand. And I think we're going to see a real change over the next 12 months um, ahead of the next election with a prime minister who isn't saying stop the boats and the taxes, you know, whatever. Um, you're going to have someone who has a real deep interest in making sure journalists and through journalists, the public, understand what he's trying to do and what his policies are about. Do you think that we'll see some dead wood cleaned out of the cabinet and some fresh blood put in? Maybe some more women? Absolutely. I mean, he he actually cannot. Malcolm has to make sure there are more women in his cabinet cabinet than Abbott. Um, He has to make sure that there's a decent show. That won't be hard. No, it's not going to be difficult for him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Can you have minus one woman in your cabinet? (laughs) um so he's definitely going to have to promote some women i think he will promote some of the younger voices you'll see more of the uh, who are referred to as the wet liberals or those who are more towards the center of the political spectrum uh step up um you're definitely going to be saying goodbye to, to poor joe hockey i suspect you're going to be saying goodbye to kevin andrews and erica betts as well wow
0: so where to from here what does this mean for
1: bill Shorten? Bad things. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely means bad things. There will definitely have been some people in Bill Shorten's office going, damn it, last night. Um, I think this puts the Labor Party in a lot of trouble at the next election. It's interesting, I've been listening very closely as someone who, who votes on the Labor side of politics to Bill Shorten and Tanya Plibersek's language in public over the past 48 hours and their line seems to be, Malcolm Turnbull is all around, all about Malcolm Turnbull. He's not about the country, uh, which is an interesting line and one I think that could have been effective further down the track. But exactly what Mia says about that sense of optimism you get after a change of leader, people want to be optimistic today. They don't want to hear this message of this is going to be bad. I think Labor have played this wrong. I think the best thing they could have done was come out this morning and say, you know what, fantastic, Tony Abbott was terrible for this country, now Malcolm you have to deliver on all the things you said you care about, so let's see it, let's see action on climate change, we want an ETS, we want gay marriage, we want a republic and that would put Malcolm in an incredibly tough position because his party doesn't support him on those issues and and I think Labor have really missed an opportunity to wedge him from the get-go. I personally, I really like Bill Shorten. I think he is an interesting guy. I think he is a smart guy. I think he is someone who has always played the politics and played the politics hard, and that's the side of, we've seen of him in public. But I think he's also got a very good policy brain, and I saw the way he prosecuted the NDIS well before it was a big national talking point, and the what, things he did for people with disabilities and their carers were really impressive, and I think he's got good policy credentials, but the electorate has not seen that from him and he is going to have to find a way to cut through and show himself to be more than just a backroom dealer if he thinks he's going to be successful. So uh, I've got one last question. Do you think, Jamila um, and
0: Mia, that Malcolm Turnbull is going to be able to end this era of the disposable PM?
2: Yeah, uh, look, it's getting a bit embarrassing when we make Italy look like a stable political system. (laughs) Um, Five prime ministers in five years is uh, pretty awesome. I mean, I'm the worst person to ask because I like um, new things and have a short concentration span. But I think it makes it much, much harder for a new government to get in because it feels like we've got a new government. It feels like we've had a new election without getting the sausage sizzle. Um, And so I think that when an election comes around in 12 months, Tony, uh, sorry, Malcolm Turnbull still feel sh- will still feel shiny and new, I think. Uh, and people go, oh, well, God, come on, we just need some stability, 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 so people will actually want to stick with him.
1: Mia's right. I think Australians like to give someone a go, and Malcolm won't have had that long in the in the chair, and I think they will give him a bit longer to to make his mark on the country and see what he wants to do. But by God, the expectations on him are very, very high, and it is going to be tough to live up the live up to them, especially. When we've just seen Tony Abbott sort of stumble under the very low expectations.
0: Thank you very much, Jamila Rizvi. Great to have you back on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Mia. Bye. Talk to you later in the week.